Are you ready? Welcome to Radio Grognard, King Size, the OSR podcast with more stuff with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Hope you're all doing well. It's a nice day. Okay, today I want to talk a little bit about the fantasies, the highs and the lows, and we'll get into that after this. All right. First off, I have a voicemail from Joe at the Decahedron Podcast. So go ahead, Joe. Hey, Glenn. This is Joe from the Decahedron RPG Podcast. Was listening to your episode about supers games, and I just wanted to throw out two that you didn't mention. One, of course, is GURPS Supers, which I have played the most for supers games. That's what I usually use. And the one I liked the most, but never actually played, was Silver Age Sentinels by Guardians of Order. So it's pretty much the tristat system from Big Eye, Small Mouth, but tweaked for supers ever so slightly. And they use like a D10 instead of a D6, if I'm remembering right. Kind of roll the game world in with the rules, and I don't like that. I like to do my own game world. But the game system, kind of like Hero, in that you have the powers and the levels for each one, but very much scaled down, makes the math so much easier. Sort of a rules light approach to that approach. But anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. Thanks for your podcast. Great episodes, as always. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I forgot to mention those GURP Supers. I do have a little bit of familiarity with GURP Supers. I did play a campaign once. A friend of mine ran. Um we, most of us were champions players, and we wanted to try out and see how it works with supers, with the GURP system. And we found it a little wanting, because it just seemed, after after doing hero system with like linear, you know, point-based progression, it also had point bases, but it just seems a little, it just seemed a little clunkier. It got to the point where I felt like every time we got some experience points, we had to we ha- I had to rewrite my character because I didn't know how to put them in, in there or where. But I don't know if that's just the lack of knowledge in my group or me or something like that. But it just seemed clunkier, and we went back to champions. Now, Silver Age Sentinels, I believe I have a copy of that in my storage, and I haven't looked at. I I never tried it. But it does look interesting, nor have I tried Big Eyes, Small Mouth. But it does look really, really interesting. Um, Guardians of Order, a Canadian company, put that out. Unfortunately, they're gone now. But Big Eyes, Small Mouth, I think I got rebooted by another company or something like that. But anyway, uh, Silver Age Sentinels looks really, really interesting. Um, and what I did, I have, I have the uh, TriStat system version which you mentioned, which is good because back in the day, they did a they, they converted it to D20 also. And that's the one I bought because all my friends were playing third edition, 3.5, you know, the D20 system. And I was trying to get them into other genres. I couldn't get, I couldn't get them into it. I couldn't get them into pulp either, for that matter, or castles and crusades. That would have been fine. But they they didn't want to, they don't want to do it. And I looked at it and I just shook my head after a while. I tried my darndest to make a character in the D20 version, and I couldn't do it. 
And it's interesting because there were two Supers games that came out at the time. There was that for the D20 system and Mutants and Masterminds. Now, they both used the D20 system, but Silver Age Sentinels decided to go with the OGL or the, the, uh, the D20 license, rather, so they could put the logo on there and stuff. But Mutants and Masterminds, well, and Mutants and Masterminds decided to go with the OGL, where they didn't have to hew a line as far as like fidelity goes to the D20 system. And it can, you can really tell with Silvery Sentinels, because I was so confused. They had to put it so close to D&D, and yet I just, I said, you can't make a super in this game. Come on, you know? So I, I ended up abandoning that, and somewhere in my storage, like I said, I have the Tristat system. I want to take another look at it. But thank you for mentioning that, and thank you for calling in. That's great. Thank you very much. Okay, the fantasies, as in high or low. A lot of people, myself included, like the high fantasy stuff. Uh, mid to high, I'm going to say mid to high fantasy, but we'll get we'll get in. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I, they, you like the fantasy stuff with all the monsters and the spells, and you know, magic is commonplace and all this other stuff. Um, but there's a real trend, not now, but in the last ten years or so, for grim and gritty, you know, low fantasy. You know, where, where you're just, you know, fighting it out and things like that. I get into that a little tiny bit. I consider Hyperborea low fantasy, even though there are there are magic users and spells in there. But I prefer the, the standard D&D stuff. And it's funny because when people mention, say, high fantasy to me, I got this idea of fairy tales, you know, Castles that go up to the sky and knights fighting dragons and princesses being rescued and, you know, nefarious bad guys that they have to break into the castle and, and stop and face their, you know, face their wizard and that kind of thing. That's what I think when I think of high fantasy. And I, I understand, you know, most people's ideas of high fantasy is it comes down to basically one thing. Magic is plentiful. Okay, I, I can see that. I can see why, the, you know, you'd think that way, because magic is plentiful. And some people think that the more magic there is, the harder the GM's job becomes. Because the, the, some systems give you so many magic items, so many spells, so many this, that, and the other thing that somebody can find a way around whatever you come up with. Well, that's the point, really. I mean, you're, you're trying to present a challenge to the players. You just don't want somebody, some, some wise guy with a knock spell to ruin your traps or opening doors the way you don't want them to, or, you know, one, one reverse gravity spell can stop this thing and that and the other thing. But then again, that's all about thinking outside the box, if you know what I mean. So it's just a matter of adjudication on the GM's part. And it's not saying that high fantasy doesn't get into real adventure like the low fan, you know, like the Conan type stuff, the low fantasy stuff. You know, you, you can get into some real gnarly situations in, in a high fantasy game very easily. It's just that people... I guess they just feel that it's a crutch. Magic is a crutch or, <clears throat> you know, an inconvenience for the GM. 
So, so they tend to not like it. Okay, fine. You know, run your game you the way you play the game you want to play, basically. Uh, but having having it adjudicated uh, in a high fantasy game, I don't see as much of a problem because it, it's just it's a matter it's just another tool for the characters, another tool for the GM. Because remember, whatever they do, you can do too as the GM. So don't forget that. If they want to come up with a solution that involves a lot of magic, well, why don't you come up with a bad guy who does the same thing, only, you know, a little differently. Um, and also, you got, you got to remember the players, if something works the first time, they're going to keep doing it. You know, they're going to keep trying to do it. So you've got to show them that, you know, there is no one-size-fits-all solution. Just like in life, there is no one-size-fits-all solution to everything. You've got to be able to take a chance on stuff or try new things or things like that. Now, I'm, I was thinking about spell research. I mean, spell research and magic item creation, I know it's kind of a pain sometimes you want to follow it, but if you come up with your own your own idea on how to do it, that makes the game better. I mean, they come up with something that, okay, I want to do this. Well, you sit down with your GM going, okay, let's work it out here. How are we going to do this? How's your character going to come up with this? the things they need, the money they need, the time they need, and, you know, and make it reasonable. Now, I look at those magic item creation rules in the first edition AD&D, and it's like, man, man, oh, man. All right, Gary, fine. I understand what you're doing here, but... You know, that doesn't fit my game. So you tweak it. Me, I would just come up with, it's, uh, it's, it's basically three things. Time, resources, and money. Especially if you're doing magic items. Um, because it's just, that's the way it's done. And you can plot that out too. Here's where I, here's the part where I say to the, to the player characters, why don't you make more than one character? Just at the start. And, you know, if one wants to go off adventuring and another one wants to stay behind and work on this whiz-bang spell, let them. That way the other character can, can spend time, you know, researching or whatever the heck they have to do and the other character can go off and do their thing. Say you have a mage, you have a rogue. Let the rogue go off an adventure. I mean, I'm not saying the... the the mage can't go adventuring, but you know, after a certain level, they they a lot of a lot of players want their character to come up with new spells, new magic items, things like that. And it's always good to have a backup character anyway. I mean, and I never thought I'd say this. Think of the DCC character funnel. You're trying to funnel three to four characters through something to see who comes out at the end. So, okay, you go through the funnel and you got one good character. All right, say it's a mage, you play him for a while. He's got a few levels, and the GM gives you a chance to go through a character funnel again. Well, come out with something different. Hopefully, you'll come out with something different. And then just use that, like I said, as that's the backup character. You can play them for a few levels. To me, there's nothing wrong with switching off, depending on what you're doing. If you're in a campaign where they're stuck in the middle of a dungeon or something, or someplace that's inaccessible, I can understand that. I'd play, as a player, I'd play that through. 
okay, fine, this character's doing this, we'll get to back to the other character later. So there's that. You because it's just it's just common sense. You gotta you gotta finish what you're doing. Uh and it, it really gives you a little more experience because some people say, oh, I play majors all the time. I want to play a fighter. Okay, fine. Make another character who's a fighter. Go play the fighter. Let this character go off and do spell research. Maybe he has to study with his master or something or some something like that. You can always find an excuse with your character to do something, quote unquote, off stage and any, or off camera. What I consider anything off camera is stuff that you're they're dealing with in the background, you know. Um, I'm going. That's usually happens when somebody says, "Okay, make a, a X X role, whatever, you know. Make make a make an intelligence gathering role, make a streetwise role, things like that. That's the kind of thing. I mean, roles like that. Okay, skills and roles like that. I understand what that's for. It's basically to give the Give the players a better chance, but it's also saves time for the GM. If if you want, if you want to, if you want to cut to the chase, give them a roll. They make it fine. This is what you get. This is what you find out. And there are some times when you just go, okay, he says he's going to do this. After so many hours, you find out this, or you don't find out anything, or something like that. So that's basically what they're for as far as I'm concerned. And to me, role-playing always comes first. You know, you do the role-playing and then make the role. I mean, there's... And if the role-playing is good enough, you won't have to make a role. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, I encourage players to make more than one character. I mean, to to me, you can only play one character at a time unless you're doing like a character funnel or something. But to me, I think players should think about making a second or third character and just have them there. You know, I've done that before. I've, I've made, I made a whole party before and just use one at a time. You know, I mean, I've got three characters in the current Eberron campaign and Lojack's on deck. He's the one who's going through everything. If I ever want to, if he, and I ever want to stop playing him, uh, or God for, or God forbid he gets killed. Uh, I've got two other. I've got two other characters. I got a mage and a dwarf to back him up. A dwarf fighter, and so you know, I got an elf mage and a dwarf fighter. So I can. Something happens. He wants to go back, or something. He retires, or whatever. I've got another one on deck. That's the way you deal with that. So anyway. I hope you're all doing well, because you know what? I have to go start my day. So if you guys want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognard at gmail.com or drop a voicemail on Anchor. We are monetized. So as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program. I would thank you. For single donations, go to my ko-fi.com slash oldmangrognard or my PayPal tip jar, paypal.me slash oldmangrognard. Let me thank these people who do give to me monthly. Gilbert Soares, Juan Carlos Llewellyn, Benjamin Brodell, John Allen Large, and Aaron. Thank you very much. 
For other good podcasts, there is Dan Griggs, the Young Y-U-N-G, Young Grognard podcast. There is Kevin at the Red Caps podcast, Daniel Norton's Bandits Keep podcast, Randy and Joe's Biggest Geekest podcast, Big John Allen Large's The Red Dice Diaries, and my friend Eric Tinkar's Tavern Chat. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. You got questions? You got comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. Tune in next time when Radio Grognard King Size is on the air. <laughs> <laughs>